0: I've been working on this video for a few weeks, but didn't want to post this without mentioning Gabby Petito, a 22-year-old woman who is missing. She had been traveling in a van with her fiancé, who has not cooperated with This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me add Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh, no. Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Investigation and is now a person of interest. I just wanted to give my support to Gabby's loved ones. This is a heart-wrenching situation and I hope she is found soon. Hello, my dudes! My name is Tiffany, welcome back to my series, Internet Analysis, where I like to research and discuss things relevant to social issues, and media! Today we are covering van life. Van life has become increasingly popular in recent years, especially on social media. This lifestyle is often depicted as very aesthetic. Van lifers are wild and free, disconnected from the grind their lives appear relaxing and inspiring. Many of the most followed van life influencers look pretty similar. Most commonly, you'll see young, straight-passing white couples in Western countries such as the US, Canada, or Australia. But despite the popular media depictions, this lifestyle is popular with people of any race or nationality across the spectrums of age, gender, or sexuality. Van lifers do tend to share some common mindsets, philosophies, and values. Tired of working too much to pay for housing they can barely afford, they decide to, escape the rat race in a converted van. They seek a slower, less stressful lifestyle. Though, of course, van life has its expenses, most find that it costs much less than their traditional lifestyle did. With lower cost of living, many can afford to work less. They can freelance, work remotely, or just pick up odd jobs on the road. Many van lifers also have wanderlust, they crave travel, exploration, and adventure. Participants know that van life will have its ups and downs, but they embrace the challenges as opportunities for personal growth. Van life is often considered a rejection of the modern lifestyle. Reject overconsumption, seek a more minimalist life with less things. Just a van, basic necessities, and a few small comforts. Some may seek to live more sustainably, waste less, live off the land, or at least partially off-grid. Ultimately, they hope to connect with nature, and find a like-minded community, bonding with strangers over similar values and experiences. I find there's a lot of crossover with the appeal of tiny houses, RVs, houseboats, and any other off-grid or self-sustaining lifestyles. But again, this video will focus mainly on van life specifically. In this video, I wanna make distinctions between how van life is represented on social media versus how regular people who are not rich influencers experience it. While they may share some similar experiences, undoubtedly the popular van life influencers enjoy many privileges and benefits from earning a living by documenting their lives. Being an influencer can offer much more flexibility and opportunities than van lifers who have a lot more limitations, or much stricter budgets. This video will also cover the major differences between choosing to live in a vehicle, and living in a vehicle as a last resort. Hashtag vanlifers are often seen as aspirational and cool, while others are disparaged for sleeping in their cars. There's a lot of classism to discuss, and we will get into that. But first, let's give a shout out to today's sponsor, Blue Land. Blue Land sells a variety of cleaning products that can help you cut down on single use plastic. Instead of buying a bunch of plastic soap dispensers over and over, I can wash my hands for weeks with one little tablet. These start at just $2 per tablet, or could go as low as $1.54 each if you buy in bulk. And they are super easy to use, allow me to demonstrate! Fill the bottle with warm to hot water, drop in one tablet, let it dissolve, put the nozzle back on, and you can use within minutes, no shaking or stirring needed. I really love the foam, it cleans without leaving any residue, and it just feels very light and fresh. My kit is the Hand Soap Duo, it comes with two glass bottles and six tablets with three different scents. If you already have bottles or soap pumps that would work, you can just buy the tablets, but I've gotta say, these glass bottles are beautiful, and you'll save a bit if you do buy a kit. Blueland has plenty of other cleaning products as well, to help you cut down on single-use plastic. If you wanna try Blueland, you can click my link in the description to get 20% off your first order, now shipping to the US, Canada, UK, Australia, and New Zealand. And getting right back into van life. First, I wanna highlight that van dwelling is not new. Many different cultures and peoples have historically had very mobile or nomadic lifestyles, including but not limited to the Romani people. Romani is an ethnic group that originally migrated from Northwest India over a thousand years ago. The Romani Diaspora extends across Europe and the rest of the world, including the United States. For those of us less familiar, you may know them as the G word, which I am not going to say because it's a slur, it's long been used as a pejorative, but you may recognize the image of groups of families traveling together in caravans. It's hard to generalize or describe the Romani as a whole ethnic group because much of their written history has been and lost, and Romani includes many distinct subgroups and clans in different locations with different customs. Today, the Roma are Europe's largest ethnic minority, with up to 12 million living across the continent, most of them in Central and Eastern Europe. The Romani have long faced discrimination and persecution, which has forced many to continue moving as they've been threatened or deported. Wandering became a way of life, they'd work as performers, musicians, skilled laborers, tradespeople, pretty much use any skills or talents, however however they could to find work. With improved communication networks, the Roma continued to do seasonal work that required movement, replacing traditional caravans with trailers and campers. Some Roma now value the freedom of an itinerant lifestyle and consider it part of their culture. Contrary to stereotype, however, wandering is no longer the default for the Roma. I'd love to learn more about the history of the Romani people, and I'll continue to research after this video, but I just wanted to add this little section to emphasize that again, van life or living a nomadic lifestyle is not new, and also that many traveling groups such as these have often faced hardships, and again, discrimination, persecution. Let's continue with a classic. What's cute and trendy if you're rich? but stigmatized if you're poor. For the sake of this video, I'll mention living in cars or vans, RVs, mobile homes, or tiny houses. I definitely understand the appeal of van life or the tiny house movement. Actually a few years ago, I was completely convinced that I would buy a tiny house. And lately the idea of taking a nice long road trip in a van sounds pretty nice. But no, I don't think I'd be interested in doing it long-term. The reality is there's a huge difference between choosing to do van life having privileges and the financial freedom to do so comfortably and safely, living in a nice converted van or bus with all the bells and whistles, as opposed to those who live in a vehicle because they have no other options. It's not about travel or adventure, it's about survival. I found this great piece by Katie Jedilo. While this kind of alternative lifestyle appears exciting and cool, romanticizing life in a van is rooted in classism. The people going on these trips are not doing it out of necessity, rather they come from a place of financial privilege, and are rejecting traditional social protocol out of choice. In many ways, this practice invalidates the experiences of real people who are homeless or living out of vans, who do not have a say in their situation. These articles idealize a living situation that, in reality, is heavily stigmatized and quite difficult for those who, because of need, are forced to live in their car. Furthermore, glamorizing van life reveals the hypocrisy of the ways in which we view homelessness in the United States. There's a significant difference between a List article praising people living sexy, free lives in vans, and the reality of homelessness, perpetuated by the ever-rising prices of urban living. Glamorizing road life through Instagram posts and BuzzFeed articles masks the real and present problem of homelessness, and allows readers to ignore the difficulties of the homeless, or even worse, to glorify and envy them from a place of clear financial privilege. And I thought Katie's points were very interesting. I think it's similar to the idea of someone living in a tiny closet-like space, because that's all they can afford, versus more well-off people who choose to live in a very small space for the efficiency, or for the minimalist aesthetic. People have the right to spend their money as they'd like, and I would rather see people who have the privilege of options live in smaller spaces, try to live more mindfully, consume less, rather than living in the biggest space with the most stuff. But still, it's like, you know, this nice tiny house has plenty of light and it's well ventilated, it's clean and cozy, while this tiny place could have toxic mold and bug infestations. If it happens to be an illegal basement apartment, it could be flooded, like what just tragically happened in parts of New York. So yeah, for well-off people, it's a trend of living small. For others, it's called poverty. Now let's get into the realities of van life. A lot of van life content creators do discuss these elements, what they don't tell you about van life sort of videos. Some creators are more transparent, honest, and realistic than others. But spoiler, van life is not always fun. Sometimes you may feel unsafe or isolated, but also extreme heat or cold can make it miserable or even dangerous. And honestly, van life is not equally safe or accessible for everyone, especially when traveling alone or through specific locations, solo women or femmes, trans or gender non-conforming folks, LGBT couples, people of color. Some people could be more vulnerable or at risk of being threatened, followed, or just be more likely to be ticketed, or have tense encounters with the police. Unfortunately, that is something to consider, and I'm sure that people of marginalized identities are careful to factor that in whenever they're deciding where and how to travel. So let's continue! When I first started researching for this video, which was actually many months ago, before I gave up on it, and picked it up again, many people told me to watch Nomadland, and I did. It's a drama about a woman in her 60s who, after losing everything in the Great Recession, embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern day nomad. That description might sound kinda romantic, kinda cool, but this film is not representative of the Instagram type of van life. It's based on a nonfiction book by Jessica Bruder, an investigation of transient American seniors who follow seasonal employment while living out of their vans. There's a sizable population of older Americans in the mobile living community. The film featured many non-actors who genuinely lived the van life playing themselves. The film's protagonist, Fern, is a widow. She loses her job and decides to sell everything, move into a van and look for seasonal work. While she does make some friends and go to some van life meetups, she works blue collar, physically taxing jobs, and keeping up with the van's maintenance and life expenses is difficult. Since the film is based on the true stories of real middle-aged nomadic travelers, it represents a side of this lifestyle that we don't see much on social media. It's not glamorous, but people make it work. Maybe because they love the freedom. Maybe because they don't have anything to go back to. Maybe it's a bit of both. Anyway, it's a great film. Highly, highly recommend if you haven't seen it already. Let's continue with the cost of van life. A lot of people wonder, how much does van life cost? Well, it depends. I read a lot of blog posts from van lifers about the finances of it all. Plenty of van dwellers just buy a relatively cheap vehicle and fix it up themselves, like this. We bought our 1996 Dodge Ram van for $3,700 on Craigslist, and spent another $5,000 converting it with a queen-size bed, fridge, solar power, and general repairs. Of course, on the other end of the spectrum, van life can be extremely expensive and extravagant. Sprinters are usually kind of the top of the line, and they go for like $40,000 or $50,000. And some van conversions can cost up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can choose to keep things simple and do van life on a budget, or you can shell out more cash for conveniences like paid campgrounds with facilities, dining out, paid tours and activities, gym memberships, and more. By cooking your own meals, staying at free dispersed sites, and going slow, you can do van life for a minimal cost. Again, it's hard to say like how much an average van life person or couple spends, but monthly expenses can be anywhere from about $800 to thousands, depending on your lifestyle. The vehicle expenses tend to be the highest, fuel, car registration, auto insurance, plus saving for regular maintenance and any potential emergencies. What if your car breaks down? You lose your vehicle and your shelter. So you need a backup plan and some funds for a hotel for when your car is in the shop, and that could take anywhere from a day or even weeks, depending on the issue. Even with all of its expenses, van life can still cost much less than regular life in permanent housing for many people. Let's talk about housing a little bit. According to the Apartment List National Rent Report, in New York City, the citywide median rent price is now $2,052, obviously if you're in trendier, more popular neighborhoods of Brooklyn or Manhattan, that could be even higher. The median rent in Los Angeles is $1,874. Rents are rising everywhere, it's not just the big cities, everyone is experiencing this crunch, even places that have historically been known to be pretty affordable, are now becoming increasingly less affordable. So, if you figure a couple could live in a van together and split like $1,000 worth of monthly expenses, that's a lot less than you'd pay just for rent in a lot of US cities. I also think it's important to mention that certain people are in a much better position to be able to handle van life than others. For many, their student loan payments alone, or medical bills, or health insurance premiums, would be too high for them to be able to switch to van life and working less. For others with dependents, such as children, or others to care for, they can't just get rid of their stuff and live in a van, unless you want it to be very crowded. I found this great piece by Kit Carmona, on the after van life. At least for those of us privileged enough to be unburdened by crippling student debt or dependents to support, there had never been a cage. I had never been trapped. Leaving everything behind had always been as easy as saving up a grand or three over my designated safety net, and deciding. I found it very interesting that they mention how they constantly miss fan life now that they're done with it, and it's always so tempting to just give everything up and get back on the road, because for them, in their current position, or at least their position when they wrote this, it would just be a matter of saving up some extra money and going. But of course, you know, it's not that easy for everyone. Okay, speaking of money, how do people earn money to live this fan life? Some people decide to save up so they can live for months or even up to a year without working, but that seems to be pretty rare. So how do people afford to do this? What kind of jobs do you all have? Is everyone a blogger or an influencer? Yes, many of the most well-known van lifers are indeed making their living as influencers, which I've got to say is a pretty ideal job for that lifestyle, aside from the internet connection issues. Gotta get your Wi-Fi somewhere. But it's funny, similar to those Other adventurous lifestyle brands on social media, Blue Ass Water, oh just quit your job and like, go travel the world! It's pretty easy to say that when you're already making good money as an influencer. For other people, it's not that simple. For many though, doing online work in one capacity or another is absolutely essential to freedom. Staying digitally connected, in fact, is what allowed him to live off the grid. Pre-pandemic, it was much less common for people to work from home, but now, as remote work is becoming more common, it might allow more people to consider van life than before. They have a little bit of flexibility in their work. Instead of going to an office, they can work from van, or more likely a coffee shop with free Wi-Fi. And then, others freelance, perhaps are self-employed, or might just work temporary or seasonal jobs as they travel. Homelessness and the housing crisis. Nomadland is a modern grapes of wrath depicting the dystopian economic dispossession of an aging population for whom retirement is an out of reach dream. We have so few social safety nets. So many seniors in the US struggle to pay for housing, medications and other essentials. We've been told that if we work hard our whole lives, then we'll be able to retire comfortably, you're gonna be on the golf course in Florida. But that is absolutely untrue for many Americans. According to this article, 17% of 45 to 59 year olds have zero retirement savings. And I'm sure people would love to put money aside if they could, but the problem is, if you can't afford today's bills, there's no leftover money to save anyway. With low wages, rising rent costs, student loan debt, no universal health care, many Americans are one emergency away from being bankrupt or homeless. According to estimates from 2020, nearly 600,000 people in the U.S. are currently experiencing homelessness, and those stats were pre-pandemic, which has obviously worsened conditions, so that number is higher now. People of color are significantly overrepresented among people experiencing homelessness. A high number of unhoused people are disabled, and many also have a mental illness. Again, it's grim. So, in response to the horrible lack of social safety nets, and the outrageously expensive housing market, people are opting out. Choosing van life can make some people feel much more in control of their circumstances, but is that a false sense of agency? Here's another quote from Katie Jedlow's article. Glorifying van life allows us to ignore the gentrification of the housing market and the failures of our capitalist system to provide reasonably priced living situations for all. These types of articles indicate that our society has a skewed view of housing and shelter. We are now complacent enough to celebrate people who choose not to live in houses or apartments." For this video, I watched a few indie van life documentaries, and in both of the films, some participants made distinctions between living in a van and being homeless, though legally, not living in a permanent structure and lacking a permanent address is considered homeless. But many of these people do not see themselves as such. And there's this, a continuum of people who live in a vehicle. I think the key difference is a homeless person doesn't want to live in his vehicle. He isn't escaping the rat race. He doesn't hate the rat race. He hates living in, a car, in his car or his van. He wants to get out of it as soon as he possibly can. That's a homeless person. I love living in a van or a vehicle. I love it. I don't want to ever live any other way. So I don't think of myself as homeless. person who hates it is homeless. I definitely don't agree with his attitude about homelessness, but it is very interesting to me that so many van lifers draw this distinction. No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. I'm not homeless. This didn't happen to me. I chose it. I'm just voluntarily houseless, living mobile. Perhaps this is another indication of classism or anti homeless sentiments. Maybe people want to create distance between themselves and the undesirable state of being unhoused. And to be fair, I'm sure that a lot of van lifers do have more solidarity with the unhoused population. But again, I did see a few people who had interesting takes, to say the least. Structural bullshit and the limitations on alternative lifestyles. Sleeping in a car is illegal in many parts of the US. There are many limitations on where and when it is allowed. And with the increased popularity and visibility of van life, many cities are cracking down and the attention and regulations are particularly harmful to people who rely on stealth camping or sleeping in their vehicles for survival. The boom had made it more difficult to find a place to stay for the night. Parking lots in Taos that had previously been reliable, like their normal spot, the library, now have signs posted prohibiting overnight parking. People attempting to sleep in their vehicles can be rudely awakened by pounding fists on their windows, they can be ticketed or even towed, and these unexpected costs can be so unaffordable to the many people living in their vehicles that they can't afford to pay, and they might risk having their car impounded. From this article, Long was 56, working part-time as a janitor and living in his old pickup truck when police had it towed because it was parked in an unused city-owned gravel lot for more than three days. He spent the next three weeks living outdoors, without his tools, sleeping bag, and nearly all of his other possessions, which were in the vehicle. He had been trying to save for an apartment, but couldn't work without his tools. Strict parking restrictions are one part of criminalizing homelessness. There are many policies that don't outright ban or police unhoused people, but they do aim to prevent unhoused folks from being visible in public. So yes, in effect, they just want them to disappear, The notion that homelessness is caused by individual shortcomings also prompts governments to create unproductive and often costly band-aid interventions. For example, some cities have passed laws banning sleeping in public places and have used hostile architecture to prevent people from lying down. Many cities also offer one-way bus tickets in the hope that people experiencing homelessness will leave while others spend time and money clearing encampments without offering assistance, services or alternative places for people to stay. Those who resist or are unable to interact into normative society, including working a stable job and living in permanent housing, have often been harassed or brutalized. Bringing it back to the example of the Romani people, nomadism, as a way of life for GTR peoples, is in sharp decline across Europe as a result of harsh policies enacted over centuries, which have limited stopping places and criminalized nomadic lifestyles. At some points in history, this was on pain of death enforced through shooting horses used to draw wagons or imprisoning and deporting migrant or nomadic Romani populations, even when born in the country in which they traveled. When governments restrict or ban certain behaviors or lifestyles, or criminalize homelessness, but don't offer solutions, what do you expect people to do? And the thing is, if all you care about is what's the most financially efficient, it costs less to house people than it costs to police the unhoused and obviously it's the more humane, compassionate thing to do. Especially in a country as wealthy as the US, we can absolutely afford to end homelessness. House the unhoused and address the root cause. Prevent others from becoming homeless by building and supporting nationwide affordable housing. I always think back to this video by the Gravel Institute about the public housing in Vienna, I am so jealous, it looks so beautiful, it's high quality, it's affordable housing for all, and it's not stigmatized, unlike the public housing in the US, which tends to only be for the poorest people. Public housing could be the standard for everyone, except the very, very, very richest people. Imagine that. Finally, we get into final thoughts. I know this video ended up mostly being about homelessness, and the housing crisis, and the economics of van life, but let's get back into the the social media depictions for a moment. Maybe you like the idea of van life, but don't like how van life influencers depict it. When we're looking at like the branding or the aesthetic, I can see how some people might think it's a bit pretentious. You know, the sunsets, the coffee on the roof of your bus, looking out at beautiful views. You know, only showing the positive, pretty parts of van life and not showing the rougher, more realistic sides. Living that Chris McCandless into the wildlife, except he tragically died and would have been vehemently opposed to the glamorization of this. So sometimes, yes, the branding, the aesthetics can be a little bit much, but again, that, that's, that's influencing, that's Instagram especially, a very visual medium. If pretty pictures and sunsets and coffee and dogs sell, you gotta make your coin. And last question, is van life really a rejection of capitalism, materialism, and modern living? There was a clip from one of these documentaries that I watched. Roll the clip. They don't know that van life is a thing and people choose to do it. A lot of people actually use houselessness as a form of resistance against capitalism, like uh, against a form of uh, government or capitalism that they disagree with. So it's kind of the opposite of being homeless, right? It's filled with agency. Like, they're choosing to do this because of something that's driving them. I thought that was a great prompt. It's definitely thought-provoking. And that leads me to this. A lot of our culture and society is focused on distracting you from whatever you might want to think about. They don't want you to think. And keeping you worried is one of the ways to do that, to me. I think that the more someone is worried about what could go wrong, the less they will think about what is going wrong. I felt that way for quite a while. But I raise you this. Though most van lifers are escaping the rat race as they say, they're opting out of parts of the system. Obviously, they can't remove themselves from society entirely, but they too are not necessarily actively resisting. I worry that because the world is so overwhelming, many of us often feel compelled to just opt out, leave. It seems much easier to go off-grid, leave the world behind, than to stay tuned in, to play your part in fixing it. It seems like the world is beyond repair and we just wanna go live our cottagecore dreams in our van. Is that so bad? I definitely like the idea of people who have the privilege and ability to do so, living smaller, more mindfully, consuming less. I like the idea of spending more time in nature because I do think that is good for us. Rejecting hyper-consumerism and hustle culture is also good. And if one chooses to, either temporarily or more long-term, live in a vehicle, do that. I think van life can be pretty cool, but it's a long way away from being a truly radical movement. And many people, I'm sure, in van life aren't interested in being part of a radical movement, they're just trying to vibe. But I would love to see it move in that direction, if possible. It can't be about trends or aesthetics, it would require organizing. But it just makes me wonder, what happens when we remove ourselves from our communities. If van life brings you more spare time, and more spare money even, can we dedicate some of that to mutual aid? Can we pool our time and our resources to advocate for better wages, unionizing, health care, and secure housing for all? And I want to give another shout out to groups like Diversify Van Life. Their mission includes creating an inclusive BIPOC-led community in outdoor spaces where many are typically underrepresented to learn about indigenous peoples and the stolen land we live on to minimize our environmental impact and more. If you know of any other groups like that, please let me know. I would love to check them out. I spent way too long writing this. I've had such severe writer's block and lack of motivation. I overwhelmed myself with this script for some reason. It doesn't make sense, I'm sure. And this definitely ended up going in a slightly different direction than I had originally envisioned, but I hope that you enjoyed it. And any chance I get to talk about issues like classism and the housing crisis, I'm happy to do so. Alright, let's do our freaking small channel shoutouts! <laughs> actually, this week I will do just one small channel shoutout, I do have many other wonderful creators on my list, but it actually takes me a good amount of time to watch plenty of videos from each person before I give them the shoutout so that I can describe their stuff accurately and stuff, so... I'm not trying to be lazy, I'm trying to get this video to you, sooner. So, today's small channel shoutout is... Bryony Claire. She currently has less than a thousand subscribers, and her content is incredibly high quality, so I highly recommend it, I've really been enjoying her videos. Her channel is a split between some cruelty-free and vegan makeup videos, and then some very interesting video essays, typically covering environmental and ethical issues, right up our alley baby! I really enjoyed her latest video at this point, which is, we need to talk about why you hate influencers, and she made an interesting point about us typically hating influencers, hating sponsorships and brand deals, yet we're fine with undisclosed product placement in movies all over the place. There's a lot of great other information in the video, so I highly recommend that. I also liked her video on Judy Garland. She has a series about kind of tragic figures in culture. So that video kind of goes through Judy Garland's life, and the abuse and exploitation of the Hollywood industry, and the people in her family. Seriously though, Bryony is so consistent, especially for being such a small channel, you will not be disappointed, you will get plenty of content from her, and we love a vegan leftist channel. (laughs) What can I say? And finally, I wanna give a shout out to all of my Patrons. If you'd like to support me on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Tiffany Ferg. I make exclusive video content every month. We do live streams now, which all Patrons are invited to join. And it's just a really fun time to get to know you guys. An extra special thanks to my top Patrons, Jeff? Joff? Still can't say this, cause it's not a word. Kieran Janey, Jaden, Marty Schmeichel, Abby Hayden, and Rebecca Devillier. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching this whole video. And one last big thank you to today's sponsor, Blue Land. Click the link in the description to get 20% off your first order. How many thank yous can I say? A million. Stay tuned for more future analysis. Well, I gotta go. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye.